Coach Corey Wayne, and this is my video coaching newsletter. And the topic of today's newsletter is going to be dating is like surfing. Well, I've got an email here from a guy who is an avid surfer, obviously. And what's interesting is he put together a bunch of bullet points and how he compares surfing, riding waves, being able to navigate unpredictable ocean conditions, and how becoming proficient at pickup skills, dating, and relationship skills how surfing is a really good metaphor where becoming good at certain aspects of surfing would translate exactly to becoming at certain aspects of pickup dating and relationships. I thought it was a really cool way he had of looking at it. So we're going to go through these different bullet points because there's a lot of fundamentals in dating and becoming good at fundamentals that translate over to surfing. So I have a quote that I wrote in this particular topic and then we're going to go through his email. And the quote says, what do most successful people have in common that separates and differentiates them from unsuccessful people? Successful people tend to excel at getting other people to like them. We tend to like people who make us feel good, who make us feel like they care about us, who make us laugh, who are optimistic, and who have a strong sense of who they are, where they are going, and why they are going there. Successful people focus on becoming a person of value in both their professional and personal lives. Successful people know things that the average person does not. To become a person of value, you must focus on becoming great at doing something you love for a living and becoming knowledgeable and competent at things you enjoy doing simply for fun. People who are able to accomplish both their personal and professional goals tend to be happier, uplifting, and more fun to be around than those who always feel like they are behind the eight ball and struggling. One of the things I liked about what this guy pointed out, he says when everything's going well in his life, he tends to surf really well. And when things are kind of rocky or he's dealing with a lot of challenges, it translates into his surfing. It's just interesting how the happier you are in your life, meaning what you do for your purpose, your career, your mission in life, your business if you're an entrepreneur, the more you feel like you're on the path to achieving your goals or you're already achieving the goals you've always dreamed of, you're going to be happier, you're going to feel better about yourself and you're going to be more attractive to members of the opposite sex. That's why I place such a big emphasis on taking as a man taking care of your career your mission your purpose in life taking care of your body obviously and having a well-rounded life that's full of social activities and things that you really enjoy doing because the more you enjoy your life you're just going to be a better person to date and by focusing on yourself and becoming a person of value a side effect of that is you become happier and more attractive and therefore people want to spend more time with you. Just like I talked about in the quote. What is it? Why? It's like if you remember back to high school for those of you have, like myself who have long since graduated from high school. If you think about it, the most popular people in school, what was it that made them so attractive? I hung out with thought. I wouldn't consider myself a popular person from high school but all my friends were the most popular people in school and I spent a lot of time observing them, looking at their mannerisms, how they told jokes, how they told stories. 
and what it was that people liked about them. And what I realized from the, the guys that I, I went to school with and grew up with that were really popular, they were great at telling stories. I remember them smiling a lot. I remember them joking around a lot. A lot of them played football. They liked playing sports. And I just remember being at parties. And when the shit hit the fan, it was always nice to have those guys in your corner because they were there. They, they would always back you up if there were ever a problem. They just – they were fun to be around. They took care of themselves. They worked out. Obviously, they, they played football. But they were great at getting people to like them because what I remember about a lot of those guys is that they really made you feel like they cared about you and like you were important. They they asked you questions. They wanted to know what was going on in your life or what what tests you were studying for, what you were going to do after high school, what you plan to do with your life. They made you feel like they cared. And that's why asking questions about other people is such a powerful way to create rapport. Asking the kind of questions that the other person would enjoy answering. The more you like somebody, the more you're attracted to them, the more you're fascinated by them. When you meet somebody, you just feel like this is it. This is exactly the kind of person I've been looking for. It becomes very easy to come up with things to talk about or to inquire about or to be inquisitive about. If someone's just really attractive, you find them really attractive, but you don't really, if you know some things about them and you're starting to talk to them, it's a lot harder and more difficult to come up with things to ask questions about. But when someone just does it for you and you know it in your core and you're fascinated and you're interested in them, you're full of enthusiasm for that person. When you're full of enthusiasm, it's a lot easier to ask them the kind of questions that they would enjoy answering. Questions like, well, tell me about you. What do you like to do for fun? Tell me about you personally. What do you do? What are you into? What are you all about? So let's go through his email. He says, hi, Corey. I've read your book and I've watched some of your videos and I found your comparison to women being like cats interesting. And I wrote an article several years ago called Women Are Like Cats, Men, Dogs. For those of you who are – you can Google that. Corey Wayne, Women Are Like Cats, Men, Dogs and you can check that article out if you're so inclined. He says, it actually made me think of something else that maybe some guys don't use or think of to make an analogy from as a way to help calm themselves or keep them balanced when things don't go well and it's an obvious one to me, sports. In my case, I like surfing. I almost always have used that it's a that's life approach to difficulties that come along in life and the act of surfing helps me to see relationships like this. It doesn't have to be for a guy regarding women. It could actually be swapped, don't you think? Well, I actually think it's a good metaphor. That's why I chose your email here. And so let's go through the bullet points that he brings up. He says, surfing. When it comes to paddling for an oncoming wave, it's similar to meeting a woman for the first time. It's your first encounter and there is anticipation of what will happen. The more you do it, the less nervous it is going for it. Because you know, I, I, I get emails from guys. Like I remember I got one earlier this afternoon. The guy's like, hey, I've read, read your book like 10 times and I still haven't got a phone number yet. Or I'm having a hard time getting a phone number. And like when I talk to guys, when I do phone sessions, when guys are struggling they've read my book a lot, usually it one of two things. 
They haven't interacted with a, enough other women. They haven't practiced. Like if they say, well, I'm still struggling. I'm like, well, how many women have you asked out in the last month or so? Well, none or one or two. I was like, how can you possibly expect to get better if on a, if you're not good at interacting with other people, especially members of the opposite sex, where you're only going to talk to one or two a month? I mean, at that rate, it's going to take you 20 years to get better. Or the other thing is, like if I talk to guys that are great at getting first dates, like I remember I talked to one recently. He was setting first dates. Things were going well on the first date. And what was happening is even though he'd read the book, I think like 10 times, he was doing things out of sequence. He would he would go and take go to meet a woman for a drink or dinner and then right away invite them back to his place. There's nothing wrong with doing that. However, when you do it out of sequence until the rapport has been built. In other words, if you're not making out and you're not kissing and you're you're not all over each other, because when you ask them, hey, you want to go back to my place, you're in essence saying, hey, let's go back to my place because more than likely we're going to have sex. And if you haven't kissed her, if you haven't even touched her physically or interacted with her, you don't even see her playing with her hair and you ask her to go back to your place, you're going to come off as you're just trying to get laid. And it's going to be next to him because she'll turn you down, number one, going back to your place. And then when you call her a few days or a week or so later to go for a second date, you're going to get ignored or you're going to get some kind of excuse. And that particular guy was doing things out of sequence. The idea is like if you follow the progression in the book, you have to follow the steps. If a woman is not physically touching you and interacting with you and kissing you and near to you and close to you to the point where she's touching you and her body language is not open, she's not playing with her hair, you don't you should not be asking her to go to go back to your place. If you're if you're at your third venue on your first date and you're all over each other and your hands are going all over you're touching her butt and her she's touching yours and her hands are going up behind your shirt, yeah, then you're going to invite her, hey, you want to get out here and go back to my place and have a glass of champagne or have a glass of wine or go have some tea or let's sit out by the fire pit in the backyard and pop a bottle of wine. That's something that you – I mean it's appropriate at that moment. If you're not even touching her and you haven't even kissed her yet, it's like you go to dinner and then you're like, hey, let's go back to my place. What do you think? You're basically saying, great. I bought you dinner. Are you ready for sex now? You're never going to succeed if you do it that way. You have to follow the progression and you must practice. If you're not practicing, I mean the bottom line is if you're if you're single, if you've never been very good interacting with other people or especially interacting with women, you have to practice that. You have to practice having conversations with strangers that you don't know enough times to where it doesn't bother you. Like when I again like when I was looking at that email that I saw earlier this afternoon, the guy said, I've read your book 10 times and I can't, haven't got a, a phone number yet. There's something that you're missing in the sequence. Either you're not practicing or something is out of sequence. And so therefore when you're interacting with women, you're giving off a weird vibe and it, they're shooting you down. You're getting rejected. And when I do phone sessions with people, I ask them specifically, explicitly what they're doing what they're saying, what women are saying, and then I can tell right away what they're doing wrong and help them correct it. The key is to know the book and to interact with enough other people. And so the question is, how many people do you need to interact with? Well, if you're more of an introvert and you've never been very good at that, you need to interact with a lot of people. If you're in sales and you're in a customer service type of industry where you're constantly interacting with other people, 
then it's really just a matter of interacting with them in the ways that I talk about in the book. In other words, modifying the, what you're already doing in your life a little bit to where you reveal the attraction that's there. You see the signs that are there because you're already natural at interacting with other people. It really, it's really a case-by-case basis. It depends on the other person. If you've always had a difficult time interacting with women and you want to become better at it, you have to interact with enough women to where it's like breathing to you and it doesn't bother you. To where talking to a pretty girl is like talking to somebody you encounter on the sidewalk. Somebody may be asking for directions. Repetition is a mother of skill. If you're not good at something, you must practice it. How many times? Hundreds, maybe even thousands of times. It just really depends. I spent a lot of time in customer service industries when I was a teenager and in my early 20s. And when I was old enough to drink, I was out interacting every single weekend. When I was a teenager, I was typically going to parties when somebody's parents were away and we would have a keg party. So there was always constant practice every weekend. And when I look at it and I take the context, I develop my social skills by literally interacting with thousands and thousands of people over the course of many years. If you're not good at it, you have to practice it. It doesn't do you any good to sit there and read the book 10 to 15 times or watch countless videos. If you're not practicing, you're not going to get better. That's just the way it is. He says, taking the drop down the wave. This is the point at which pulling out can get you hurt and worse, you potentially miss a good wave. In other words, knowing when to interact and engage and when to walk away. What I My problem what I had in my 20s is I spent way too much time interacting with women I had no chance with. Hoping things were going to change or the next thing I came up with or the next story that I told or the next time that I made her laugh was going to cause her to change how she interacted. The key is not to become attached to anyone. To look for the people who are easy and effortless when you interact with them. Where there's enthusiasm on the other person's part. And if the enthusiasm is not there, keep moving until you find somebody where it is. Like a guy not going up and asking a girl for their number, etc. Once the wave has passed, you can no longer go for it, which is a lot like saying, I wish I went over and talked to her an hour after you get home. It's too late and the opportunity is gone. Well, when you sit there and you dither and you hesitate and you make eye contact and then you don't go over, it's... If if you don't do it within three to five seconds, you've basically communicated that you're submissive and you're not the dominant type. And at the end of the day, women are most attracted to men who exhibit qualities of the most dominant and confident males. So you have to become comfortable going over there and getting rejected. Getting up in the wave, it can be either a smooth transition or a bobble in the wave that throws you off the first few dates. And if a guy doesn't get past the first date, they feel like they have wiped out. Bottom line is if you're interacting with women, if you're asking for phone numbers or if you're asking for dates in the spot and then you're going out on dates, it's the only way you're going to get better. If you're not talking to women, you can't be upset that you don't have any dates. You got to open that big hole in your face. That's just the way it is. Wiping out on a wave. Wipeouts can cause a surfer to panic unless they have done it before and are or are used to it. This could be like your teachings about worrying if you will lose the girl and pursue too hard. It's what I call the illusion of action. When you think I got to do something to make her like me more. 
Bottom line is attraction is not a choice. They either like you or they don't. Get to the fucking point. Ask for the number. Make a date in the spot. And if it's not reciprocated, be okay with saying, oh, hey, have a great day. Move on. It's a point of potential panic. A surfer has to let the wave roll them all over the place and then they come up for air. It's largely out of their control, just like attraction not being a choice. Mother Nature has handled this ahead of time. If a girl is not replying or a guy is pursuing too hard, they should think of it like a wiped out wave. So if the worst thing guys do is they send a text or they call and leave a message and the woman doesn't respond in a time frame that they expect. And then they send another one and then another one and another one. And then a lot of guys tend to get belligerent, angry and mean and start saying nasty things. And then they blow it. It's like tennis in that respect. Leave a message and wait to hear from her. If you never hear from her, then you know where you stand. It may be a lost cause to panic and fight it too much. Instead, wait for it to pass and wait for the next wave to come along. Again, it's trying to force things. That's what over-pursuing is. It's the illusion of action, trying to force things. You've got to give the other person space to reciprocate and if not if it's not there or they don't do it willingly and enthusiastically you got to move on catching a long easy ride on a wave generally on a bigger easier to use surfboard things just falling into place and the surfer doesn't have to react to the wave too much the wave and the big surfboard are doing all the work kind of like interacting with women who automatically like you remember attraction's not a choice you would think that most surfers would want this and to use your teachings if the girl is doing all the work, it's easier obviously but that's not the case as you get better. Women help you when they like you. They make it easier for you when they're attracted to you. If you follow the progression in the book, the guy pursues in the beginning usually for about the first two to three weeks but after two or three good successful dates, I mean most women are going to sleep with a guy by the second or third date on average anyways and if you're following the progression in the book, that's the point where the woman starts calling and reaching out in between dates. And at that point, the guy can just sit back and relax, wait to hear from her, make the next date. That way, you're moving at the woman's pace. So you never have to worry. It becomes her idea. And it's just natural. It's the path of least resistance. It's the best way to go about it. If a woman's chasing you, she's not blowing you off, dumping you, or getting rid of you. Catching a turbulent, messy wave is that unpredictable, perhaps even seems dangerous, usually on a sur shorter surfboard. This tells me a lot about the surfer in person and is the most interesting to me. I see some surfers not go out when it's like this. They would rather it not be a challenge or difficult and surf another time. Just like the guy that reads the book dozens and dozens of times but never talks to women. Then he wonders why he's not getting any better or he asks out one or two women and he gets shut down and then he doesn't do anything anymore after that. You've got to do enough progressions. How many progressions? However many. You've got to get through the no's in order to get to the yeses. Maybe you've got to go through 100 no's. Maybe it's 200. Maybe it's 1,000 times you've got to get rejected. When you no longer care about being rejected, when it doesn't bother you, then that's when things typically change for you because you're no longer in a hungry state. When you're desperate, when you're fearful, when you're worried about it not working out or not getting the type of woman you want, you're going to give off a vibe that's going to make women feel uneasy around you. 
I give these waves a go and I delay my fears before doing so. This to me is like a wall of not approaching a prettier or more beautiful girl than you normally would or maybe a test that a woman gives. On these sorts of waves, the surfer has to have perfect balance and react only when they have to make a critical maneuver. They do have to react but it's a calculated reaction i.e. They were, prepared, they were prepared for it and they practiced it. Repetition is the mother of skill. In other words, this is where the surfer is in the zone, if you will. And confidence comes from competence. Where does competence comes from? It comes from time and repetition. And if you're not competent and you don't have confidence, you haven't, in essence, failed enough. You haven't been rejected enough to the point where it doesn't bother you. If someone reads your book and uses your techniques, they can make reactions and decisions that are well prepared. Finally, the tricks, flips, and show pony moves during surfing. Got game when you meet women? This part of surfing is a lot like that. The basics are covered and it's time to take more risks and try different things, mastering them to consistency. Only 3% of surfers are these types of surfers and they are usually the ones on the world tour. Well, when I coach professional athletes, guys that play in the NFL or Major League Baseball or soccer or in the NBA, the difference between the guys that get the big paychecks and the guys that are – because it's what's interesting, especially like about the NFL, is everybody assumes that you play in the NFL, you're a millionaire. Well, what's interesting is only a small percentage of – the guys that play in the NFL earn the big multi-million dollar paychecks. And we just went through free agency here and very few players get to the point where they make that kind of money. Most guys are making several hundred thousand dollars a year, the average player that plays in the NFL. The difference is the ones that become really great, the Deion Sanders, the Ray Lewis's, the Tom Brady's, those kinds of players they are fucking immersed and they do more rep- – they work out harder. They study longer. They practice more than any but anybody that they're competing against because when you get to that level, everybody that plays in the NFL, everybody has talent. But not everybody is willing to develop that talent. It's, I think it was Bobby Knight said, great, uh, great coach. He said, most people have the will to win but few people have the will to prepare to win. The difference with Tom Brady, Ray Lewis, those big names that you know about, Deion Sanders of the world, the Jerry Rices of the world, the Hall of Famers, the Michael Irvings, the Jimmy Johnsons, those guys prepare. That's the difference between just the average player that you never hear about and that never really does much in the NFL. I find that when my life goes better, I surf better. When life is challenging and difficult, I surf worse. I push through and eventually get back on track though. It's like Tom Brady. He has a bad game or Bill Belichick. They lose. He's focused on the present moment. We're on to Cincinnati. If you ever saw that game I was like last year, a year and a half ago, the year they won the, the championship, which was a year ago. They had this game and everybody's like, oh, Belichick's washed up. Brady's washed up. He's too old. And they were just like it was amazing how the press turned on these guys. And you can see the look on Belichick's face. He's he wanted to fucking strangle these bastards, and I don't blame him. It's like and the guys won all. What, he's been 
how many rings does he have now? It's like four total with the Patriots and a, and a cup two of them as a defensive coordinator for the Giants when he was a coach under um, Bill Parcells. Has all this history, one bad game, and are ready to throw throw the baby out with the bathwater. And the very next week, they went out and they just absolutely fucking crushed Cincinnati. We're on to Cincinnati. He's focused on being in the present moment, getting back to the fundamentals, pitting their strengths against the other team's weaknesses. And they're usually the ones on the world tour. So he says, I see others give up surfing for a period of time and they do not progress, for example. The great surfers, even when they have a shitty game, they keep at it. They keep chipping away. You get rejected, you got to keep grinding. What did Ray Lewis say? Grinding is my rest. That's why he was such a dominant player for so long. Same thing with Jerry Rice. Same thing with Michael Irving. I mean, the, when you look at how those guys prepared, it was just, it was, I mean, they were like fucking robots. They were machines. It was just unbelievable. Their level of preparedness and the amount of work that they put in compared to everybody else that played, it's obvious. I mean, like Tony Robbins said, success leaves clues. When you study guys like that, it's so obvious why they succeed. They worked harder than anybody else. That's the bottom line. And they learn from their mistakes. While I have had some people think I am mad for going out in terrible or even dangerous conditions, I always tell them after I paddle in, no risk, no reward. If it was worth it, even if it was worth it even for just one wave. And as for me, I've always looked at even like when I read a book or I'll watch a video, if I get just one idea, if it took an hour or a half hour or I spent a whole day listening to an audiobook on something, I got one idea, I'm better than I was. That's the way I look at it. Just always try to get a little better today than you were yesterday. You have to try even if nothing comes out of a surf session. Why just look at the waves, then get back in the car and then drive home? Exactly. Life requires your participation. You must participate in your own rescue. If you want to get better at anything in life, you must participate and take action. That's like seeing a cute girl and not giving it a shot. Push yourself enough times in sports, taking risks and getting rewards makes the simple act of walking up to a girl and starting a conversation easy in my opinion. It's just like breathing. I just tell myself this is easier than taking that beating from the wave I wiped out on the other day which raked me over the rocks and cut me up. If it doesn't work out, look within and realize you cannot control the ocean. If the girl is not interested or doesn't like you, it doesn't matter. There are plenty of other waves to catch elsewhere. There's another wave every few seconds if you look at it that way. One of the things I like to say is there's another bus every 15 minutes. In this case, in this metaphor, there literally is another wave every few seconds when it comes to surfing. So put the surfboard back in the cover and drive somewhere else. No real question in here for you, but something I thought interesting nonetheless. Anyway, I just thought I would share that with you. Keep up the good work. Well, thanks for all the great metaphors. I appreciate the email. And if you'd like to get my help personally, go to my website. Click the products tab at the top of your screen on any page of my website or at the bottom of any page of my website and book whichever coaching option works best for you. If you haven't read my book yet, you can go to my website and click free ebook at the top or you can click the toolbar at the bottom. You can subscribe to the newsletter and read it for free on my website 
or you can get the iTunes version, you can get the Kindle version, or you can order a paperback version. And very soon, in the near future, you'll be able to finally listen to a audiobook version. More details to follow, and I will talk to you soon.